to talk about getting pre-qualified. And um, we, know, we know a few things about that. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just like 17 years worth. Um, but yeah, so getting pre-qualified for an apartment building is quite a bit different than getting pre-qualified on a residential uh, property. So I, I, what I'd like to do, Kenny, is just have you kind of briefly uh, go through the process of getting pre-qualified and when you should and why it's so important on the residential side. So what, why should someone get pre-qualified uh, for a residential property? Well, first of all, um, if you're buying any property, doesn't matter, residential, commercial, you should talk to a lender before you even start wasting your time and also wasting broker's time and potentially submitting offers and wasting seller's time. Because honestly, keep in mind, if you're trying to buy and start a business or start investing in a place like San Diego and you want to have a good reputation, the worst thing to do is go out there, put an offer and get it accepted. Then to come find out that you weren't even pre-approved. And guess what? Now your agent, now the seller, the seller agent's like, you're not serious. So if you ever happen to run into that seller again, they might not accept your offer. Well, Kenny, would you even be able to really submit an offer in most cases without a pre-approval? Today? Hell no. Um, so here's the thing. Why? So if you find a property that you really like, then you might not even be able to submit that offer until you get pre-approved. Exactly. So let me tell you the 30,000 foot view of why you should get pre-qualified before we dive into what that really means. So why should you be pre-qualified? So let's take a step back and talk about that. So let's say you're in a competitive market. When we record this today, the market is insane. Why? Because there's not enough houses and there's too many buyers. And on top of that, we have crazy low interest rates. Oh wait, and on top of that, there was a thing, if you ever heard of it called COVID, and a lot of people do not want to sell their properties, whether it's multifamily or residential, Crystal, you're in the same boat. People are just kind of chilling and staying put right now. So it's a big, big, so it's the joke is, man, if you got your offer accepted as a buyer, wow, like you might've gotten accepted out of 30 people, 20 people. So how do you make yourself look different? Well, let's say you're even talking just about a normal market. Why would you not want to go in with an offer and you're competing, even if you're competing with two, three, four people, how are you going to make yourself look better? So if you have a house that you really love, putting your best foot forward and making sure that you have the best chance of getting your offer accepted by getting pre-qualified. Yeah. And let me, and let me just dive into the high level view. So basically let's say you go down the road, you get pre-qualified me. Great. But how can I make you look stronger? Number one is you're providing a two to four unit. I pre-qualified you and all your docs were ready to go. So that means all I need is a purchase contract, title, escrow, and order and appraisal, right? So the cool thing is if you put an offer in right now, what couple things they want, could you shorten their contingency period from 21 days to 10 days? That means, could you remove your loan? Contingency, you have a loan approval in 10 days. Check, we could do that if you're ready to go. Number two, what about appraisal contingencies? We can order a rush, we're like ready to go. The, the third thing, which is really helpful, is having somebody like me that's experienced, been doing this a long time. There might be a good chance if you're buying an investor property that you know we might know the broker or something like that, but if I don't, I can call the person up and go, look, here's the deal. Um, you know, Crystal's my client. She's been pre-approved me for you know, 90, and I just, we just won deals, literally having this conversation. She's been pre-approved me for five months, six months, 90 days. Wow. She hasn't even, she's written one other offer, hasn't been serious. She is super excited about this property. She wants it. So I'm the lender. I got all of her stuff. 
We're ready to submit it. I'm ready to close fast. Let's go. What do you need from me? What do you need from me to help them get in this deal? So getting pre-approved means that you could help them to maybe be more competitive in their offer with regards to contingencies and then ultimately even to close more quickly as well. Is that right? So what that does... If that would help. Exactly. So what that really means is that is giving me confidence to call that agent and say, I can... I have everything, I'm ready to go, let's get it done, because I have all your stuff. Imagine if I don't have all your stuff, and Crystal and, that happens to you. and they call me, I'm like, uh, I'm literally bullshitting them, and I don't even know, which is not good for me or you. And even your agent does that. So when your agent knows you're pre-approved, they're confident, I'm confident, you're confident, that we can get it done. When you're not pre-approved, confidence is, it's not, you can, you can tell. So I literally had, a person buying a four unit property. There's a bunch of offers. The agent called me. And then not only did we start talking about, wow, this guy, can you close? And yes, we can do all this stuff. They want to close in 21 days. We literally just were funding this loan today, by the way. And we start, she started talking about that. And then all of a sudden she starts going off on a tangent about, you know, real estate investment and asking my advice on all this other stuff because she knew I was confident I was talking about. And then she's like, well, how do you, how would you do the appraisal? What's your recommendation? Oh, so you're telling me I should get confident. So we started a whole other conversation. I was like, I called him. I said, I think you might get this. She goes, why? I said, because we just had a great conversation. Sure enough, got the offer and he was shocked. I said, because she could tell, she goes, you know your stuff, you're confident and you, I, I can tell you can get this thing done. That's awesome. That, that's a pretty good pitch. So basically, uh, I think the, the point I'd like to make is that for residential, you're actually going to get a piece of paper that says you are pre-approved for a loan. Sometimes they'll even, to be competitive, I've seen where they have like your actual like loan approval or your AUS findings, whatever you guys call it. That's, 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 that's a I good mean, one. The best thing you could send over, just letting you know to a selling agent to be serious, pre-approval letter. Um, some people, some people go put a credit, they put their credit report in there. I wouldn't recommend that. The AUS findings, which says, here's your DTI, they're approved. It tells everything about your picture. And then on top of that, um, uh, pre-approval AUS findings. Oh, and then your proof of funds. You definitely want to show that. Course, yeah. And then the, the best thing to do is as soon as that offer hits, the agent texts me and I call that listing agent and I have a conversation. Cool. Yeah. So that on the residential side, you're going to kind of put all that paperwork together. Um, on the apartment side or commercial side, if you go to someone and ask for a pre-approval letter, for me, that tells me that you've never done apartments before. So you call that a rookie move, you call it whatever you want, but if you know apartments um, and you know the way that we do things and you have experience, nobody's asking for a pre-approval letter. Like it just doesn't happen. Now, what I can tell you is that you can almost pre-qualify yourself if you know a few of the basic things that you're going to need to quote unquote get pre-approved. So you definitely want to sort of pre-approve yourself, even talk to a broker, know what financing options are out there because that's part of the numbers that you're running. Like what interest rate can I get? What's the payment going to be? You know, that backs into what your return is and all of that. So if you are coming in as an investor who's done your homework, who's prepared, you definitely want to know what programs are available to you, what, you know, the rates sort of are today so that you can calculate your estimated payments and all that. And then you want to make sure that a lender is going to approve you. So 
if you want to do that, what I would suggest, and we've talked about this in the last two podcasts that we've talked about, you know, talked about uh, on the prior steps, you know, uh, getting started, your mindset. And then um, last week was, it was like one of those, something like that. But uh, put your financial statement together. So we said, put your personal financial statement and your real estate schedule together. Um, and that is the, the most critical thing to doing that. You're, if you're planning on investing in real estate, you're going to have to have a personal financial statement and schedule of real estate and have it updated like at least semi-annually. I mean, for, for us, when we have apartment loans, we get audited anyways, uh, or they ask us for our annual financials. It's an FDIC requirement. Every lending institution requires it. They're going to ask for that every year. If you're going to plan on being active, you're always going to want to have an up-to-date financial statement available. So go through that exercise. It's pretty easy. Uh, the top section is just going to be like your personal information, name, social, date of birth, address, uh, work history, just like your current job and how long you've been there. Um, and then you have uh, an assets section, like all your assets are listed, cash in the bank. Um, value of real estate, any businesses that you own, 401k, life insurance, uh, other assets, including, you know, cars. It's a 30,000 foot view of yeah. what you got going on. Yeah. So, uh, and then you have your liability section, which is, of course, any, you know, debts you have, credit cards, uh, mortgages, um, taxes due, that sort of thing. Um, so let me, let me, let me jump in here real quick before we go too far. So one thing that I want to talk about is people... If they're new to this, they're not understanding this because they haven't gone through it. So I don't care if it's residential or commercial. There is one component about getting pre-qualified that you have to understand, especially with Crystal. Most people think, oh, I'll buy a 10-unit building. It's uh, $2 million bucks. I put 25% down and just get the loan. That's in, that, that could be a correct statement, but it also could be an incorrect statement. It's not a guarantee. Yeah. So even with residential, I tell people this. They're like, I want to buy a four unit. Great. You, are you trying to buy it to cash flow? What do you mean? So it's the same thing with me. Is if you're going to go buy a four unit for a million bucks, you're going to put 25% down. It's a $750,000 loan. You know, let's say the payment with tax insurance and all, and I'm just throwing a number out there. It's $4,000, right? Let's, so you also want to know too, though, you're buying four units, 10 units, 20 units, whatever. Like, you should already have some type of formula for me in your mind that you're not only did you get pre-qualified by you know your lender that hey you're good to go for me you should have a pre-qual of your own is this fitting your criteria meaning is this a five percent cash on cash return or seven or whatever you want because some people are going out there buying a two unit they give me the numbers I'm like you're like breaking even here they don't even they don't even understand how to like pre-qualify well, the deal themselves now so you're like, sort of getting into your criteria no, no but for you what i was going to say is with crystal is if you've never bought the building a hundred percent you need to talk to lender before you start looking at multi-family well you just need to understand how loans work uh we already talked about that in a previous episode yeah. um and how the qualifying of the property works exactly. for the loan uh, but back to the financial statement portion of it, um, as far as pre-qualifying yourself, like you can look at your personal financial statement, your real estate schedule and know sort of if you're going to qualify, like you can have a pretty good idea yourself. So there are a couple of basic rules of thumb. First off on the asset section, it's great that you have a 401k and it's great that you have life insurance. 
uh, that is going to count toward your overall net worth, but it is not going to count toward what we call liquidity, cash in the bank, because every lender requires what we call post-close liquidity. They don't want to see that you put like most of your money, if not all of your money down on the property. And now like, you know, you're just counting on this cash flow to start building your, your account back up again. That's not going to work. And when Crystal talks about life insurance, it's not that you have a $2 million policy. It's like, what is the cash value? Cash value. So just make sure I understand yes, that. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to look at post-close liquidity. Most lenders are going to want to see about 10% of the loan amount after the close of escrow of cash left in the bank or in sort of any kind of cash equivalent. So it could be in the stock market or uh, some sort of securities, as long as it's not in your retirement fund. Um, if you could liquidate those and take those out, that definitely counts as cash. Of course, cash in the bank counts. Again, they will not count your 401k. That does not count towards your liquidity because you would pay penalties to get that money out. Same thing with your life insurance policy, unless you could actually pull that money out and, and really they're not going to want to count even the cash value of your life insurance. Um, so it's really cash in the bank and sort of like stocks or bonds or anything like that that you've got that you could liquidate. So liquid cash, 10% of the loan amount. So if you're getting a million dollar loan, they want to see roughly $100,000 cash left in the bank after the close of escrow. And just, and just to confirm, some people might be confused here, so I'm trying to jump in. This is if you have ten million dollars of loans and you're getting a one million dollar loan, it's only for that transaction. So you don't have to have reserve a million dollars because you have nine million dollars of loans somewhere else. It's just for that particular transaction. It's for that particular transaction. Now that does get a little bit hairy because okay. um, uh, as you get bigger and you have a larger portfolio, let's say you know, for example, we have clients that own a thousand units or five thousand units. So let's say they're going to get a $2 million loan, but they have like, you know, their net worth is maybe 300 million or something. If they have 200 grand in the bank and they've got this huge schedule of real estate, that's a problem. the lender's looking at it like, but I don't hey, really think that's really generally that. not happening, but it has happened, especially in the last downturn when there was tons of opportunity to buy and everybody's out there spending all their cash to buy real estate. It was, it was a problem because lenders were more conservative and by borrowers were more aggressive uh, with the market. So we did run into a little bit of a problem. I'd actually have lenders say, yeah, that guy's just too big for us. Like we're not really interested. I'm like, yeah. that is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. But, um, but I would say if I would say when you get these big guys, it's pretty common that they probably keep around 10% liquidity of, of their. They have more liquidity. No. They, they might not have quite 10%, but they definitely yeah. have a lot more. So anyways, 10% of the loan out and post-close liquidity. The other thing that we require is um, you basically can't get a loan that's larger than your net worth. So that becomes difficult if you're buying your first property ever. Like if you don't own any residential property or any property, period, getting a loan the first time can be problematic because you have basically like your net worth is essentially your cash in the bank and like your car or something. And then you, if you have car loans and credit card loans, like you can imagine your net worth might not be very much. So uh, in that case, you would have to figure out another way to get financing because a lender will only lend to you. Uh, they will not lend you more than what your net worth is. So that, that's for 
commercial, not residential. This is for any sort of apartment or commercial financing. So if your net worth is $1 million, then you can't, you can get a $1 million loan. If you're trying to get a $2 million loan, you are not going to get that loan. Okay. So, so that's, let's, that's let's, the problem. Let's move on. So back to residential. So we gave you a little higher review. So I'm going to get into a little detail. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to go into super detail. So what do you need to get pre-qualified with me? With me, I need to look at everything. Like, you know, Crystal might be like, hey, I've done, you know, look, look, if you've done seven loans with me, I probably have a pretty good view of what's going on. I might want to check in and ask you some questions. But with me is we you have to qualify for the loan you know what i'm saying it's like you have to qualify like chris crystal somebody can come to her they can go she have places that might not require tax returns up to loan about this and that but with me you got to just not the property qualifies for itself you got to qualify for all your other stuff you know you understand what i'm saying yes. I don't know if uh, on our side before you jump back yep. over uh you do have to qualify personally we do what we call global uh cash flow so we do qualify the property for the loan amount but we also look at you personally, but our basic rule of thumb is it's like a one-to-one, -one, meaning that you have to have enough cash flow to just cover all your other overhead outside of that. So um, that is something that could be problematic if you're kind of like, you don't have much income or you don't have a job uh, or, you know, whatever the case may be, it just sort of depends. We have to look at that situation and just make sure you don't have a problem with financing, which is another reason why you should get in touch with a broker. Uh, a mortgage broker or call me before you're looking at buying a property just to make sure that you can qualify for that loan. Uh, it, it's very quick for me. It's a personal financial statement uh, and a real estate schedule. And then I kind of go through the questions with you. Uh, I, I do not give you a pre-approval pre, pre letter or pre-qualification letter. They should not ask you for one. Uh, it has happened to me when I have residential real estate agents that somehow are selling an apartment building for someone that they ask me for a pre-approval letter. I'll issue it in, in the case that they ask for that. But that, like I said, is like just a very big uh, sign to me that they don't do this on a regular basis. Yeah. And then you guys obviously are way more lenient with underwriting. Like, look, if you're a real estate investor going to Crystal, right? Now your tax returns, you know, your property showed a loss for 2020 because you put $100,000 in there and it was a one time. She's like, you get her explanation. This She might be like, with me, I'm like, sorry, Charlie. It's, you're getting hit with it. Like we can kind of argue a little bit, but it's we use more what I call sense. common sense. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think there's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense to me about residential and what you do for financing. And I'm sure there's a lot that doesn't make sense to you. Right? But that's where it's like, you know, somehow somebody who makes, you know, $50,000 a year can go buy a house with three and a half percent down. But we have a client who makes a million dollars a year, but he shows you know, he has a lot of write offs and it doesn't look like he makes that much money and he can't get a loan. Yeah. Like that's yeah. for me, Million beyond, bank, all that. Yeah. you know, that's yeah. beyond comprehension. So we like to use what I call common sense and we can look at things and make uh, decisions. So we do have some rules of thumb, but we don't have so many hard and fast guidelines like you have in residential. Yeah. So moving on with me, I, it's it basically pretty simple with me. You're going to fill out a loan application. I'm going to send you a list. You're going to send the documents in and then I go through it all. And then I qualify you, make sure you're good. I send you the pre-approval letter and you're off to the races. I mean, how quickly could that process really happen for you from start to finish? I mean, look, I'll just, let's just be honest. Uh, today, we found this, today's Friday, right? I'm going to talk to somebody right after we're done with this about a pre-approval. I'm going to send him a list. He's probably going to give me the stuff back over the weekend. Monday, we come in, we look at it, we go through it. If they're very, very complicated, which you and I know we deal with complicated clients, 
it might take uh, one or two, three days because we got to go through a bunch of stuff. If he's a very straightforward person, um, on Monday, I'm probably issuing him a pre-approval letter. So basically, if you're like a W-2 employee and you send over all your documents that, that have been requested, the pay stubs and the bank statements oh. and, you know, all the other tax returns and whatever you guys ask for, as long as they provide you with all of that information, you could pretty much, like, if you talk to somebody in the morning and they sent you all the stuff, like, it's possible if they're in a rush that you could do it by, like, the end of the day. Yeah. But exactly. a lot of it is dependent upon them giving you the information. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to throw this in. This is not an investment, but this is kind of something cool that's going on because somebody might be listening to this and they might know somebody that's buying. So I have a client going to go look at a property today. I pre-approved and he's going to go look at it. I said, hey, if you want to put an offer in, call me back. Okay. I will run you through DU with that property in there since he's putting on a $950,000 purchase, he's going to put $400,000 down. His parents are gifting him a couple hundred grand. Kudos to him. I said, I'll probably get an appraisal waiver. So what I do is I get an appraisal waiver. I call the agent back, give it to me, write an offer, appraisal contingency moved. Now we can shorten the contingency. This guy's straightforward W-2 slam dunk. And that helps you again when you're competing with so, an so, appraisal market. So I'm going to say, tell him a 15-day close, 10-day contingency, appraisal waiver. Let's go. Let's get it done. That's pretty, that's pretty hard to. But that's the guy who came to you up front, got pre-approved already. And now you can make these like decisions, these quick decisions when they find a property that they absolutely love. Yep. And then let me give you one more thing. And then Chris will jump in. Another thing that I do, which a lot of people don't do, but good LOs do this, is that I have a client that was very, very difficult. And I literally called the underwriter this and we came to the conclusion saying, look, Kenny, I cannot over the phone with all this give you a definite answer. Okay, what do you suggest I do? Well, we're going to do a, a pre underwriting. So, what I do is Crystal comes to me. She's got, you know, I went W 2, went self employed, got all this crazy stuff going on. And for me, my experience, I'm like, you know, Crystal, I'm giving you this pre approval letter, but that means you're writing an offer. And honestly, I'm not confident we're going to get to the finish line. What do you mean? I'm like, I'm just, I talked to the underwriter. They're like, Kenny, I can, I can only tell you so much. I didn't, what, underwrite the file. So he goes, submit the file. So I get all the paperwork. We just submit the paperwork in there. I literally, like, no disclosures, no nothing, just submit the file. What did this underwriter do? Comes back, gives me an approval, says, if you can meet these conditions, Crystal, X, Y, Z, I'll get it approved. I'll get it approved. So here's the beautiful thing. The guy went from, I don't know, to today I'm finalizing the call with the underwriter. So I'm going to say, not now, now, guess what? This guy's going to go out there, put an offer in. He's approved. So now this, I call the listing. Hi, listing agent, how are you doing? We have approval. No, no, no. Not a pre-approval. We have a loan approval. I need a purchase contract, title, escrow, and appraisal. I'm done. We're already approved. Everything signed off if I, besides those items. I mean, you want to, what other offer do you have that's better than this? Do you have a cash offer? So when you're complicated, difficult, um, you should do that. I just got referred to a guy that didn't do that. Now he's potentially going to lose this deal because he had a hiccup that he couldn't get around and we don't have the time to save it. And say, so even, even buying an investment property, if you're complicated and you're not sure, I can even do that for you. Yeah, that's really cool yep. um, that you guys can do that because honestly, the, the amount of conditions, like um, it's it's funny to me because people feel more confident or more comfortable doing residential loans because they're used to it. So when they make that transition from residential oh to commercial, they're scared, right? Because, you know, my loans only go for 10 years fixed, absolute max. And then there's these prepayment penalties that you have to think about. And then you don't even know what your loan amount is until... You get your appraisal back. Okay, fine. But guess what? We're not going to ask why you made a $1,000 cash deposit into your bank. 
account. Like, I'm not going to ask you for letters of explanation for every single deposit over $500. It's not your paycheck. I'm not going to ask you for LOEs, like, about God knows what. Like, yeah, I can't even it's, imagine it's, it's, all it's, the things that you have. Good. I'm not asking for copies of leases for every single one of your rental properties. I'm not asking for mortgage statements even on every single one of your mortgage, your rental properties. So if you've got a pretty extensive schedule of real estate or you've got some, you know, businesses or things where you make cash deposits and these kinds of things, we're not asking you about all that. I mean, honestly, like I feel like, you know, people go to you and they feel like they're getting a colonoscopy instead of a loan. Like it's just crazy. Like the amount of like the, how they dive into your personal financials, like, you know, for me. So anyways, uh, yes, there are some unknowns about financing, but when it comes to qualifying and getting approved, it's very much uh, common sense. And the reason why we're not going to give you a loan necessarily at 75% LTV is because we're making sure that the cash flow actually supports the debt service, meaning your mortgage payment. So we're not going to give you a loan if you're not going to, if the property's going to be negative, like it's called an investment investments. You actually make money on, you don't lose money on. So we're making, yeah, we're making those decisions really for you, for your protection, for the bank's protection, for everyone's protection. We're only going to give you a loan based on what the property can support. Yeah. And then that's the thing is you can go buy a four unit that's negative cash flow. As long as you cover the debt, they don't care. Underwriters, they literally do not care if you bought a home and you're negative thousand dollars, you can cover it. Underwriter gets you. Crystal site, crystals deal. No way. Yeah. And then on crystals note, I'm not, she's not kidding you. I've had people close a $5 million deal with her, super strong, come to me. And by the time they get through my process, they feel like they basically, yeah, they, they went through radiation, um, a colon cancer. And they're like, I mean, how did I get a $5 million loan? Like easy breezy. I come to you to get refinance, like $750 on a mortgage. And I feel it's like, like 50% on TV or something. And and I, like, yeah. The guy's yeah. fine. I get my ass. Like I got jumped outside, you know, it's, it's just because like Crystal said, it's there. Unfortunately, there is no common sense. But if you are self-employed and you need a you know alternative state of doc or something like that, there are those programs out there. They're competitive. So look, it's not one size fits all for me. It's not one size fits all for Crystal. This is exactly why I go back to the first question. So Kenny, why is it so important to get pre-approved? Look, get pre-approved. I mean, I just talked to a lady yesterday. I said she's not going to buy for three, four months. I said she's smart. Her, she said, "Oh, my husband found I had a credit issue. Great." Instead of me, now we can work on it. Yes. Yeah. Like this is a big decision. Like, what are we? Why are you like putting an offer? And it's like a fire drill. Like, well, know? I think the name of the game here too with real estate investing, and honestly, hopefully with life. I think once you create these habits in a certain area of your life, and you start doing it in other areas as well. So, really, here is if you want to be a real estate investor and you want to be successful at it, it comes with you know it requires preparation and preparing means your mindset preparing means your finances preparing means you know defining your criteria which we're going to talk about next week uh preparing means getting pre-approved so these are all the things that you want to do to just be prepared and even the same thing like we talk about so much that real estate has tax benefits and i won't get too off topic here but that's being prepared like when you actually strategize with a cpa and you get people that you know know work with the cpa that knows about real estate and works with real estate investors they know the laws you get to strategize and prepare yourself for you know how what your tax situation is going to look like what other strategies can you implement to reduce your taxes or even eliminate your taxes legally so these are all the things when it comes down to investing in real estate and as we move through this whole process of becoming a real estate investor we're 
really always talking about being prepared, you know, preparing to take over a property, preparing to make an offer, preparing to, you know, manage a property and negotiate, preparing to file your tax returns, preparing to be pre-approved, you know, to be approved for a loan. So they, these are all the things. It's really about preparation. Yeah. And we did do an episode about your team. And that's the other thing is like John Crystal's another note like that is who's your CPA? Are are they are have you prepared them that you're buying real estate? Have you communicated to your CPA? This is right, my plan for this are year. Are they the right partner? Yeah. Also, are you choosing a property management company that you want to buy properties and rehab and you need them to help you? Is that what they do? Are they like have you had that conversation? Are they like them? we don't really do that? We just are cookie cutter. Well, that might not be the right partner, you know. So Crystal is right. Like prepare, prepare, prepare. I mean, I forget what the quote is, but uh, it's something about preparation kills. It's basically like preparation cures insecurity. So uh, for that, that means, well, that's our quote, Uh, but yeah, we say, that's our quote. I like that one. Yes. Preparation cures insecurity. So, and what I mean by that is uh, even Kenny and I, when we first bought our first, you know, property, we were so insecure about the low, like we were stressed. Kenny was like on edge had anxiety. We both did about getting approved, which is funny because we do financing for a living. But it was when, harder at that time too. It was, yeah. but at the same time, I think you can eliminate a lot of the insecurity by being prepared, by giving your paperwork to a professional and making sure that you have a pre-approval letter that's written, ready to go. Um, you can prepare to, you know, uh, take over a property by having, in, in you know, uh, interviewed multiple property managers and had all of those big conversations with them, uh, you can prepare. You can prepare your taxes by, like, I literally tell our CPA every year, how much money do you think you're going to make? Do you think you're going to buy properties or sell any properties? Yes, I think we're going to sell these properties. We're, we're planning on buying at least one. We're planning on doing this business or that business or, you know, all these other things. We actually tell our CPAs the year before, like, hey, this is what my picture looks like. And then if I want to, which is what we're doing now, is we say, hey, uh, so about how much tax do you think I might owe if I have this income and I, you know, what? Do we have anything? Be, do we have yeah. anything? Uh, you're going to pay this. Well, to offset it like this. You're, exactly. Yeah, you're going to have about this much in taxes. Well, geez, that sounds like too much. How can I eliminate that or reduce it? Well, if you could buy X amount of dollars in real estate, you could invest here. You could do this. You could do that. You know, so these are the things that we have conversations with like the year before. Like we've already had this conversation with our CPA for 2021. So next year, when we're filing our 2021 tax returns, hopefully we'll be in a position and we should be to say, hey, we already knew, had an idea that we're going to make this money and we already knew that we needed to buy this much real estate. And so we made it happen. And now our tax burden is zero or it's like some much smaller number. Um, So that is all about preparation. And when you're prepared, you're not getting blindsided with a big tax bill or blindsided because you didn't qualify for your loan or blindsided because the property doesn't cash flow like you thought or blindsided because your property manager sucks. You know, like all of these things, uh, you can definitely eliminate a lot of problems. Not all your problems, but that is a a way to eliminate a a lot of unknowns and uh, last minute issues that could have been avoided. Yeah, uh, I think a good way to, while I was listening to you and I was thinking about like a, a simple phrase is you should be advising the people that advise you like advising yes. them of what you're doing so then they can advise you and if somebody if you're advising somebody and they can't advise you back then that is not the right person for you and if, whether it's a um, a loan officer insurance agent uh, taxes 
you know, your property manager, whatever, your attorney. The whole point is you tell them what's going on and they're supposed to come back like, hey, Kenny. So based on this, based on this, what do you think? And if I go, uh, I don't know, they should go probably to somebody else, not me, because I'm not the guy. Yeah. Like, for example, uh, when, when you're talking about getting pre-approved. So when you get somebody pre-approved and then they go out on a whim without telling me and decide to buy a BMW and get a thousand dollar car payment. And they qualified before, but now they got this car. And then they go and ask her and go, what do you mean yeah. there's a problem? Yeah. So those are the kinds of things. Uh, all the people in your life that are on your team, you have to be uh, brutally honest with, and you have to be super upfront and transparent. And when you're planning on making big purchases or doing things that would change your financial picture, you communicate these things to them. So that way they can help guide you through that and let you know, you know, what you can what you can't do, maybe you have to wait a little while, you know, maybe it's fine, but you want to make sure that you're communicating. And so besides preparation, I would say communication, those are the two biggest things. Yeah. And I did like what Crystal said earlier that, um, if you start doing this with, if you act like you're, how you're taking your pre-approval and you did it with the other areas of your CPA and everything else in life, it, I mean, the, the, the more with our, like, look, with our business on a side note, everything we're doing, you know, the preparation is the end result. If we, if we don't have a good end result, I we go back. Yeah. Cause we didn't prepare well enough. So it's like you bought that property. Well, did you really prepare? Did you budget? Did you, or did you go, well, hopefully I'll have the money or hopefully that nobody moves out and they all move out at the same time. You're like, I didn't even have the money to turn the units, you know? So these are, when somebody calls me, I go, Oh, you never bought. Let me go through this whole conversation with you. It's not a pre-approval. Let me give you the rundown. I go, cool. So how many units for? Do you live one? Cool. So what if all three of them move out when you move in there? What do you mean? What if they go, oh, you're on a rock. I don't want to live around you. They go leave. Do you have to turn all of them? Well, well I didn't think about that. Well, how much is going to cost you to turn a unit? Oh, I don't know. How much does it cost? Cool. So you're closing the property. You're going to have $10,000 left. How are you going to turn a unit? Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. Even with Crystal, same thing. Like you go in, you don't know. So being prepared, have the conversations and um, make sure you have the right team. But thanks for listening. Crystal? I think that's it for getting pre-approved. So next week, we're talking about defining your criteria. Uh, so that will be the next one. So uh, stay tuned. Thanks, guys. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>